Vous avez lu l'histoire de Jesse James Comment il vécu Comment il est mort Ça vous a plu, hein Vous en demandez encore Que j'ai connu Clyde autrefois C'était un gars loyal, honnête et droit Il faut croire que c'est la société Qui m'a définitivement abîmé Bonnie and Clyde Bonnie and Clyde Qu'est-ce qu'on n'a pas écrit sur elle et moi On prétend que nous tuons de sang-froid C'est pas drôle mais on est bien obligé De faire taire celui qui se met à gueuler Bonnie and Clyde Bonnie and Clyde Chaque fois qu'un policeman se fait buter Qu'un garage ou qu'une banque se fait braquer Pour la police ça ne fait pas de mystère C'est signé Clyde Barrow Bunny Parker Bunny and Clyde Bunny and Clyde Chaque fois qu'on essaie de se ranger De s'installer tranquille dans un meublé Dans les trois jours, voilà le tac-tac-tac Des mitraillettes qui reviennent à l'attaque Bonnie and Clyde Bonnie and Clyde Ces quatre, nous tomberons ensemble. Moi, je m'en fous, c'est pour Bonnie que je tremble. Quelle importance qu'il me fasse la paix. Moi, Bonnie, je tremble pour Clyde Barrow. Bonnie and Clyde. Bonnie and Clyde. De toute façon, il ne pouvait plus s'en sortir. La seule solution, c'était mourir. Mais plus d'un les a suivis en enfer. Quand son mort barreau est Bonnie Parker, Bonnie and Clyde. Bonnie and Clyde.
Good morning, listeners. This is Crime Talk BK. I'm your host, Megan Duffy, and I'm here with my co-host, Joanna Perpich. Hi. Good morning. So please be patient. This is my first time running the board. God help us all. It's going to be really exciting. I'm looking forward. Jesus, take the wheel. To it. Okay. Um, before we get started, we're going to do some on-air announcements. Um uh, Radio Free Brooklyn is a 501c3 nonprofit organization whose mission is to provide a free and open platform to our community and promote media literacy, education, and free expression. We rely primarily on donations from listeners like you to help support our mission. We invite you to make a one-time donation or a monthly pledge or put us in your will. Every cent helps <laughs> to continue to stay on the air. So please support independent community Media by pledging whatever you can afford. All contributions are tax deductible to the fullest extent of the law. Um, but not like one bit after. Yeah, not after that. Yeah, please like don't rob a bank. I mean, or you could rob a bank and give it to us. We'll definitely let us know. Hide your we'll, put money. we'll put you on the show. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but really. <laughs> um, if you'd like to listen to Radio Free Brooklyn when you're not in front of your computer, please also consider downloading our free mobile app. Uh, just to note that you can hear us uh, pre-recorded or post-recorded on Fridays at 2 now on Radio Free Brooklyn here at Crime Talk BK. Yep. Um, the free mobile app is available for your iPhone and or Android device and available in the App Store or Google Play Store. Blah, blah, blah. Now, is that enough for the announcements? Yeah, I usually just do one. Okay. We have, uh, for all of our listeners uh, who are... On this behind-the-scenes ride <laughs> this Saturday, uh, we have a couple of different announcements uh, from the Radio Free Brooklyn Gods, Tom Tenney. Yeah. Uh, no, actually, Tom's awesome, and we would, like, not be here without him. Uh, <clears throat> but, yeah, uh, I usually do the... Uh, I usually beg on my knees for money or plug the after-school program, but we also have sponsorships with the Me Bottle that I think oh, we've talked yeah, we'll about a later. few times. We should do that later. Uh, yeah. And then Mid-show. also, I'm sorry to say that I never shut out the mobile app. I know that there's probably a lot of people who worked very hard on it. Uh, but I lose my cell phone regularly. And <laughs> <laughs> it's like, what is this app thing you speak of? I know. It's okay. Uh, I, I, I downloaded it. I used it on. I had the impeachment hearings and Radio Free Brooklyn going on in my office all week. Oh my goodness! Yes. So, are there week. what what shows are you getting really into? Um, I kind of I don't really know because I just sort of let it play. So I'm gonna have to get back to you on my list. But I I just sort of leave it on, and I like it. It's it's fun to to listen to. Uh, I'm not very good at forcing myself to listen to new music. Yeah. So I'll tune into the music shows sometimes, and it's always, um. I feel like a few steps removed from my natural music taste, which is really awesome because mm-hmm. you get to hear people who are really loving the songs that they picked out. And then I start to love it too. Yeah, I agree. I agree that the, the love that goes into these shows is really quite amazing. And um, uh, This yeah. Christmas, ask for donations. Donations to Radio Free Brooklyn. <laughs> Everybody will appreciate it. And I also wanted to, uh, this morning, give a shout out to our listeners because Crime Talk BK is one of the highest listened shows this month. I know. <laughs> Much to our surprise. Much to my surprise, people, they like us. 
very, <laughs> I can't believe it. It's very, it's fun. Yeah, we're really touched. We work hard on this show. <laughs> Uh, but that being said, we would love to hear your voice, too. Uh, so please call in at 718-928-9732. Oh, please. Well, yeah. it's my first day on the board, so be patient. <laughs> you have an assistant. I do. I do. Learning the ropes. And again, that's 718-928-9732. We would be delighted to hear from you. Yeah, I want to hear all the cool things that we should be covering if we haven't been covering the things you want to hear yet. Or just opine on whatever it is that's the topic <laughs> of discussion for the day. All right, so what do we have for today, Megan? Uh, I have a lot of Epstein, a lot of impeachment, little Prince Andrew. Um, that's basically been covering the last two weeks for me. So I don't know what kind of news of the week you have. Why, yes. Thanks for asking. <laughs> I have uh, some more bail reform. Um, I've been getting really into the weeds on this one. Yeah. I mean, it's important. It is important. Um, I did see that they were trying to open two new neighborhood jails by next year. Oh, next year? de Blasio. I mean, I, God bless him. I know. But he, he's kind of uh, really running with his criminal justice reform plan that it seems like nobody's happy with. No one's happy with, and he's going to be out of the office by January. So it doesn't, Yeah, like, it's kind of a lame duck. It's just kind of funny though, because I went to one of these community board meetings on the jail that would be opening over by the Barclays Center in downtown Brooklyn. I mean, not directly by, but... You're so good. You go to community board meetings. I do. I watch them on local access TV. Oh, that's good too. Well. Well, I only went because as like a reporter. Right. Okay. You know, yeah. I went, I actually recorded some of it and played it on um, Crime Talk BK before your arrival, oh, I think. Yeah. And uh, it was funny because you have the NIMBYs who are like, it'll ruin the neighborhood. I'm like, I'm sorry, dude, but like Target ruined the neighborhood. And then. <laughs> <laughs> Wells Fargo ruined the neighborhood. <laughs> and then you have the like banish all jails folks yeah that's not gonna work either and uh so they're like these like panicked policymakers. like they just got hired to this office from their internship or something mm. with their slideshows and they're trying to explain this policy to like a room of like 200 angry people yeah that doesn't sound like any fun. I mean, for the person giving the presentation. You can sometimes see like the fear in their <laughs> eyes when like 10 hands get raised for questions. It takes some getting used to, you know, that kind of presentation. I don't think I would. I am not a Leslie Nope. I don't think I could handle. No, ma'am. No, no. People caring loudly at you. I have really bad stage fright in front Aww. of people. <laughs> it's yeah, I can't do it. Nope. But um, let's talk about some of the... Oh, yeah. So anyway, I have that. I have some more like subway crimes. And then... Oh, my God. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about crime-related crime. Crimes? Crime-related crime crimes? Crime-related... Crimes yeah, crime-related crimes. More I, caffeine, Megan. Oh, more, and I'll say I do have a surprise for you. <gasps> oh, oh also, my caffeine. if you can, try to put yes, it... Yes, put it in the cup holder. Um... I have some Elon Musk related news. <laughs> okay, okay, the twat. Sorry, guys, but he is. And I'm starting a vlog about Elon Musk. Are you? It's just going to be about Elon Musk. 
Good Lord. Okay. <laughs> I'll follow. Okay. Recorded on my couch while slightly drunk. <laughs> um, okay. So let's, do you want to talk about Epstein first? Or do you want to talk about the two weeks of impeachment hearings first? Let's do Jeffrey Epstein. Okay. Let me get my notes. Um, so as we all know, he died. Um, it's still, uh, are you, are you in the um, My Favorite Murder meme, meme group? I'm in a lot of groups. I don't... I mean, there's a lot of memes going around about... Jeffrey that, Epstein. Jeff, Jeffrey Epstein didn't kill himself. Um, a lot... I mean, those were in existence before Epstein's brother hired a uh, noted uh, pathologist to observe the autopsy. Um, so... But so, a couple of things about, I have to look up because I keep looking down. Um, uh, in relation to, there's a couple of articles, and then, of course, my favorite podcast, Devil in the Darkness, uh, with Epstein. He was originally in gen- the general population at MCC, which is like, why the hell was that happening? Mm-hmm. Because he's, he should have been in. And uh, secure holding alone. It's, it's so you can recruit minions. Right. Well. Or be murdered. I think they were hoping that he was going to get murdered, which <laughs> kind of plays into the whole idea of he didn't kill himself, right? Um, it has been reported uh, on that podcast that he was apparently very paranoid even before he was arrested that someone was going to kill him mm-hmm. because he had a lot of dirt on a lot of powerful people. Um. And then his brother argues that he would have never killed himself because he was trying to negotiate a deal with the government to turn state's evidence. Now, that's, you know, that hasn't come to light. The state has not said he was going to turn state's evidence. There was only a bail hearing that was set because his original bail plea got denied. He offered $70 million and house arrest at my palatial estate in a the upper uppers of Manhattan and they did, and the state didn't, was like, no, no, not good enough. Um, but his former business partner who spent 18 years in prison for the Ponzi scheme that he and Jeffrey had put together also says that he was ready to turn state's evidence. So there's that, that plays into the idea that he didn't kill himself. Um, but then again, a lot of this comes from his brother who admittedly says that he and, Jeffrey weren't very close, hadn't mm-hmm. talked in years, like hadn't seen each other in years. But Jeffrey did call him when he got arrested, when he landed from Paris for this light, latest uh, round of trafficking. Well, I mean, they're family. Yeah. I mean, that's true. But if I'm, you haven't seen your brother in years, what do you really know what he's up to? It's like, hey, buddy, I'm running a child sex ring. Can you pick me up? Yeah. Can you put your condo up for bail, please? That's another thing that he did. But, you know, he's claiming that Jeffrey did not have a sex trafficking ring. And I'm like, well, you know. Really? Yeah. He's claiming that. I he guess... turned his life around after the 2008 oh, okay. arrest. Like, that's what he says. Yeah, I'm like, I don't, I don't really buy it. Um, but, you know, brotherly love. I guess I really just see the parallels between Jeffrey Epstein and his family and then Robert Durst. And then with Robert Durst, his brother, whoever, is just kind of like, 
Yeah, he kept on peeing in my trash can, like let him rot. He took a restraining order out against him. (laughs) Threatened to kill my dog or whatever that was. So um, the family ties are important. Okay, so the podcast also interviews that former NYPD officer that was in for the murder charge. That was, I forgot his name, let's see, Cartaglione. And it's an exclusive interview. It's fascinating. So he's he's saying that um, the first time Epstein tried to kill himself, the cops basically, t- you know, when they went in to get him, they dropped him on his face a couple of times. And like, so he's essentially saying that the guards didn't really give a shit about who he was because of the charges against him. Which is also evident in in the fact that two of the guards have been charged for falsifying records uh, related to his suicide because they were supposed to be checking in on him, and then when he died, they went back and falsified records to say that, oh yeah, we we did. We I read about that. Like they're supposed to every two hours or something, like walk past every his thirty cell. minutes. Every thirty minutes, walk past his cell. And then for like six hours in the middle of the night, they're like watching Netflix or something. Yeah. uh, One of them was shopping at Wayfair, which, you know. (laughs) That's delightful. Picking out a new couch. Picking out a new couch from a company that also supports child jailing at the border. Okay. (laughs) That's another show. Um, So when he was in, when he had committed suicide, quote unquote, the second time, he was moved to this special housing unit. Um, he should have had a roommate. That's what the, that's what William Barr called it, a roommate, which is not really a dorm. It's more of a cell. cell. Um, but he didn't. And again, they were supposed to check on him every 30 minutes. William Barr has come out and said that it is a perfect storm of screw ups, which led to his untimely yet accidental death. Uh-huh. And his comments came in two days after the corrections officers uh, were charged with conspiracy and falsifying the records. So it, this does nothing to quell the conspiracy theories surrounding his death. Um, I am an Occam's razor girl. Like, I kind of believe that he did kill him. Like, he killed himself, right? Like, the obvious is true. But... If Cyril Wecht and this Baden guy that his brother hired are saying that there's enough evidence to that we should actually investigate further, then why not? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I guess. Where's the movie if he kills himself? Well, because the movie will end with a conspiracy theory and then there'll have to be a A sequel. Well, like, okay, so, like, there's a part of me that really does think that most of the time our world plays by the rules and that there's gravity and day and night and et cetera. But then you get to, like, this level of wealth that Epstein was at. And it's like nothing about Epstein's story has made sense to me at all. Like, it is so almost unbelievable that he could get away with it that... um I'm just like, why wouldn't his death also 
not play by the rules. You know, like there's already, <clears throat> he created this huge conspiracy around him, mm-hmm. you know? And mm-hmm. so I think that uh, that has somewhat primed me towards being a little bit more suspicious of the circumstances just because everything that has led up to this point has been something that I just never thought would happen. No, I, I totally see your point. Um, I don't, I think he could have also been too big of a megalomaniac to even want to kill himself. But, you know, if if it is true that he was going to turn state's evidence, then why would he? Yeah. That's the argument, right? And then also it just, I just wonder like what would make him get to like the level of despair to kill himself. Like rats and roaches <laughs> peeing in a toilet. And but I think that he would have to be convinced that he was actually going to go to prison. And I'm not really sure anything other than him being given that sentence would convince him of that. Like, I, I almost I, feel like he's like this El Chapo type where in the back of his mind, maybe he's always thinking that these consequences won't apply. Yeah, I totally agree. I think he still had he's thought he had enough money to buy buy his way out of it either way or or rat on other people yeah right which seems possibly which, to be what he was <laughs> i know trying okay, to but do. Then, that's also true like if he was actually if it got out that he was actually going to be a rat who dies in jail pedophiles and rats right like yeah that's, so again it's kind of both well he is both he is both uh so again it just perpetuates the memes so many memes. So many memes. There's actually a discussion in my meme group about whether or not we should ban Jeffrey Epstein didn't kill himself memes. Uh, but then the uh, the mod came back with a incredibly clever oh. meme herself. Yeah. Tell me about it. It was like one of those uh, like word search puzzles. Mm-hmm. And you had to stare at it for a minute. And there's like a bunch of like real words in there. And it's just kind of like... This will tell you how your next year goes type of things. Like the first word that you see. And so you look at it and it's like Jeffrey Epstein did not kill himself. (laughs) I saw a really clever one where it was all of these. It's like a huge stack of books. And it says, tell me how these books are related. And you're staring at it and they're like, okay, some of them are murder, some of them are fantasy. Oh, and each. The first first letter letter of the title of each book is lined up to say Jeffrey (laughs) Epstein didn't kill himself. That's kind of my favorite one. That's a good one, too. <laughs> Some people, I just, I admire them so much. I mean, the time and talent it takes to make, I don't have time. I'm too obsessed with so many other things in my in my life. I sadly don't even think I have enough books to do that. Oh, I, I do. I bet I could do it myself. I'll, you know what? I'll do it tonight when I go home <laughs> and send you a picture. Okay. Pretty sure. We'll post it to our Facebook page. <laughs> Marketing. We do it sometimes. Yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah, like, I just don't even know how to, like, deal with this Jeffrey Epstein news anymore. Like, part of me feels like I'm just bashing my head against a wall. I, yeah, part of it is, it's like, there has, it was pretty dry last week. This week was a little interesting with Prince Andrew. Uh, Ghislaine Maxwell is still on the run. We don't know where she is. Although I think the feds probably know where she is. So Prince Andrew has retired from public life. Oh, he got kicked out of the palace yesterday. Buckingham Palace said, you got to go. And 
he didn't retire. I'm pretty sure he didn't say, I asked the queen. Well, he was like forced out. Yeah. Well, he, in his in, in his statement, he said, I asked the queen and she agreed. I'm pretty sure the queen was like, you got to go. You're fucking everything up. I love the, the image of this little old lady over tea just being like, what is this? You're 92. Now, she, you know, she had to. Did you watch the interview? No, I didn't. Okay. It's on YouTube. Uh, it's unbelievably bad. Really? Yeah. Is it the interview with, with, with Andrew, with Prince Andrew? It, yeah. And it's in Buckingham Palace. So, you know, the queen had to approve it. Yeah. So he talked her into letting him do this, whatever this was. And it was demonstrably bad. It, it, did he just like blank, bl- keep blanket denying it? He blanketly denied. I'm telling you, I've got notes. Okay. Uh, I keep hitting the microphone. Sorry. Uh, he blanketly denies meeting Virginia. Uh-huh. Right? Um, he, so in relation to that picture there's that picture out in the press where he's standing there with his arm around mm-hmm. her. She's like 16, 17, 18 yeah. years old. He says that it was more than likely fabricated and he doesn't know whose hand that is. And it can't be him because he's never been to the upper levels of Ghislaine's house. That must, <clears throat> it is Ghislaine's house and that's in the upstairs, but I've never been upstairs. So, but if you've never been upstairs, how do you know what the upstairs looks like? Like I don't, there's that. Um, he, Says he doesn't know how he got his party reputation because back then he couldn't sweat because he had some condition. Um, he also claims that he was only friends with Jeffrey Epstein because of his friendship with Ghislaine, which makes it even worse. Um, let's see. Well, he thinks we're stupid. Yes, he does. Um, he has no memory of the photo ever being taken. And um and also, oh, also, the, it couldn't have been when he was in London because when I go out in London, quote, I wear a suit and tie. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he would not have put his arm around anyone because uh, I am not one to hug in public or other displays of affection are not something that I do. This is all very convincing evidence he's brought to the table. Oh, right. Okay, so in relation to his... Uh, 2010 visit where there's that picture of him and Epstein walking through the park. Mm-hmm. Right. <clears throat> uh, it was probably colored that way by my tendency to be too honorable because I needed to cut the Epstein relationship off in person. I'm just that way. Too honorable is his excuse. Do you think that he's the type of guy that in a job interview says that being a perfectionist is his greatest flaw? Yeah. I don't know. (laughs) We should ask all those people that all those uh, charities that booted him from their boards last and the the college. There was a college in Canada. He He just cares too much. He just cares too much. About Jeffrey Epstein and his underage models. He doesn't believe that this has been damaging to the queen at all, even though parliament holds the queen's right to wear the crown in their own hands. Yeah. And he regrets the fact that he, uh, Epstein quote, has quite obviously conducted himself in a manner unbecoming. Unquote. Sure. Unbecoming. And even the reporter was like, he's a sex offender, dude. Like, 
Was it like, could you see the reporter during the interview where his eyebrows like in his hairline? It was a lady. What's her name? Beep, beep, beep. Uh, Emily Maitlis. Journalist. Uh, she kind of just went pale. It was like, he's a sex offender. Not. That's not. <laughs> I would just be like, like <laughs> if I were that reporter, I would have printed out that photo. Yeah. And during the interview, just handed it to him and be like, that's not you. Are you sure it's not you? It looks a lot like you. I know. Also, he said he didn't fully regret the relationship with Jeffrey Epstein because of all the other good things that came out of it. So you can you can smell the whole I don't have any empathy for the victims at all. Like, like How old is this guy? 59. Really? I thought he would have been older given that he sounds like a dinosaur. Well, when you're... Prince Andrew, I suspect, is you live your life of white privilege in Buckingham Palace. Although he, you know, he got kicked out. But I'm not really worried about that because there are eight other palaces that he can live in across the country and in Scotland. Ugh. So he's going to go live his privileged life out in exile. Also, he doesn't get a salary from the crown anymore. Poor baby. I know. I hope he has savings. Oh, uh, I'm pretty sure the queen will still support him. <laughs> it is her son, after all. Even though he's a tool. Oh, that's so awkward. Yeah. It was a, it, um, if anybody wants to watch it, you can find it. You just Google Prince Andrew interview uh, and it'll come right up. It's on the BBC two or four. I can't remember. It's painful to watch. Um, so just be warned. <laughs> it's awful. You like, know, it's really hard to like transition out of these Jeffrey Epstein segments. <laughs> <laughs> I know there's. It's sad and enraging. I just kind of like drip into a puddle on the floor and I'm like, all right, someone get a puppy to look me up. There's no hope in the world. <laughs> There's hope. He got kicked out of the palace. Yeah, I guess. There's also hope because the FBI is demanding that he come and answer questions. Yeah, that's good. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to find. Maybe, maybe the queen will prove that interview. I kind of like the queen. I look. I'm not a Canadian. I'm not a British subject. Does Canada get really hyped for it? They like the royal. They like the royal family. But the royal family doesn't have anything to do with Canada, do they? Not much anymore, no. I don't think so. I don't know the... I always thought that Canada pulled in America. Pulled a U.S. No, I don't think so. Hmm. I don't know. Uh, call in and let us know, Canada. You know? Um <laughs> uh, That's a plus one before our uh, phone number for international calls. Right. Also, you know, the thing about, you know, it's like he's just, Prince Andrew is just, a, it's a blatant bad denial. Like, why did you stay at all these houses even after he was arrested? And he was like, well, because it was convenient. Yeah, that's painful. It's really bad. It's like he doesn't understand it or something or he's in complete denial. He's, why well, I, I think when, when a, a guy like that lives in that kind of privilege and surrounds himself with other privileged people. He is very out of touch in how to empathize with, uh, you know, other victims. Yeah, for sure. And it's, it's also, also ironic that his daughters run a sex trafficking charity, I believe. Yeah. And he used them as an excuse for, for, he used them as because he took them to a pizza party once was the day he was supposed to be, have met Virginia. He used them as an excuse in the interview. Uh, yeah. Yep. 
That's gross. Yeah, I don't know how you know you went to a pizza party. But okay. Anyway, I wonder if the crown will cover this in like season eight. <sighs> Who's gonna play who plays Epstein? Anyway, I don't have a joke for that. <laughs> I, I haven't started watching the new season yet either. All right. Um let me see. Well, I have uh some bail reform info for you. Happier news. Yeah, actually it is happier news. All right, so last week we talked about how uh, New York uh, had this new bail reform passed where the judges from now on are going to be much more judicious in using... It's like they're just basically getting rid of bail. So you can either go home and we trust you, or you're a scumbag and we don't, and you're just going to be in jail, or you're going to be in bail, but it's going to be more regulated and more oversight. Okay. Is right? that, are they getting, are they actually getting rid of cash bail? No, I don't think like in name, but this is supposed to really whittle down mm-hmm. because right now cash bail is just kind of used on everyone indiscriminately. Yeah. Uh, whereas this, they're going to like look at the crime and be like, well, this was a misdemeanor. You like peed in a park. Like, please don't do that, but we don't need bail for that. You know, or like you try to kill your neighbor. I mean, if you get bail for peeing in the park first, I, yeah. But it's just like crazy town, you know, like right now there are people with like misdemeanors who are in jail. I know. You know? know. And so it's supposed to be trying to, I think, you know, like cut down on that. And then also there's limits on, uh, on how prosecutors can use evidence. So like the defendant's lawyer has to receive evidence of like within a few days of when the prosecutor prosecutor receives it. So you can't just like in court, like whip out the smoking gun uh, because a lot of people, you know, I don't who, think you can do that anyway. Well, th- folks th- are saying that that's the case. Well, I think, well, I mean, that's prosecutorial that, misconduct, but I think that they have to do those. They're supposed to produce it beforehand, but what ends up happening is they produce it like six hours before. Okay. Yeah. Right. So that so the defense doesn't even have time to either review or prepare yeah. the kind of evidence. And so these are not, this is not like El Chapo cases. This is not really going to affect the way that our criminal justice system runs for people who live in Park Slope with their $1,000 strollers. Right. You know, this is like the kid who got caught selling a ton of weed, you know. Or even just had a bag of weed. Yeah, or who they think stole a ton of like weed. weed. Yeah, he, sm- he smelled like weed. Black kid running. <laughs> right? Like this, like, it's like the, like the disproportionate number of like people of color who are in the prison system, the disproportionate people who um, are like below the poverty level, yep. who are in our criminal justice system. It's like those folks are going to be the ones who these new policies are trying to protect. Okay. Anyway. That was my very long recap of what we talked about last week. So New Jersey, actually. Oh, right. So everyone has been like shaking their fists in the sky being like, oh, no, like America is going to go into chaos. It's going to be the purge because uh, pot kid is not going to have bail. Are we already in the purge? I mean, sort of. Politically, I mean, speaking. But uh, New Jersey actually did these reforms about a year ago and they finally have some results. Oh, tell me about that. It went Great. Good news. Yes. All right. So there's this New Jersey experiment 
in the criminal justice reform. Oh, it's in their second year. And the jail population has been almost cut in half without an increase in crime or, quote unquote, New York Daily News word, chaos. Mm. Uh, so basically, all this is saying is is that uh, the people who are freaking out about the ragmuffins who are going to be roaming the streets, that's misplaced. You know, like um, crime has not gone up. Uh, and instead, you are like prepping these kids who would normally be in jail. You're offering them like a better chance at making their case. If they're innocent, they uh, are... I mean, everyone across the board is probably in much better mental health. Right. You know, and then also I feel like our our, our country has this sense of just extreme punishment. But it's like if I steal a candy bar and the crime and the, the punishment is for me to go to jail for a week, the punishment is not for me to have PTSD and get beaten by a prison guard. Right. You among, know, among a myriad of other things that could happen to you while you're in there. Yeah. Right. Like in jail before my trial. Right. And so, like, three this year, is three, for three years before your trial. Yeah. So this is good all around. You know, like you hear about people who who die in jail waiting for waiting to talk to a judge for a misdemeanor. Yeah. Yeah. And because the prosecutor just keeps pushing it off and pushing it off because they're not ready and they're not ready and they're not ready and they're not ready. And these people, you know, wallow away in these cells for for misdeme- misdemeanors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or, you know, even like not like certain felonies I like roll my eyes at too. You know, it's like, oh, you sold cocaine. Sorry. Like, that's not. (laughs) But anyway, we can talk about our drug reform dream list. Low-level dealers. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. Low-level doers. Whatever. Like, if you want to, if you want to take down the the kingpins, I'm all, that's fine. But like, leave the little guy alone. Yeah. And then uh, one thing I did find interesting, though, about this approach is the way that they determined who would get bail, who would stay in jail, and who would just get a conditional release, is what they call it, is through this algorithm. And so the algorithm is supposed to look at, like, if you had previous offenses, do you have access to leaving the state or the country? Do you have ties to staying? You know, like, if you're like, a family guy who just had a baby, you're probably not going to leave. Right. Right. Employment, that kind of stuff. And so they look at all these factors and like the computer, I guess, spits out some script of your like risk level or something. Uh, Now, uh, let me see. I have a little paragraph about it. So the judge looks at the algorithm and determines uh, whether or not you should be allowed to leave. Uh, but actually, there have been uh, like investigative reports showing that these types of algorithms are inherently racist because okay. and I can't speak exactly for the algorithm that New Jersey is using in this case because I haven't like read it or researched it. Mm-hmm. But in general, when things like this have been tried before in the past, it's always been to mixed results uh, because <clears throat> there's I wonder why that is. Well, there's if it's, if it's supposed to be these sort of blind algorithms. I wonder why that is. It's because of, like, the factors they look at. Okay. You know. Uh, so there might be, like, say if you're, like, an independent contractor or something, but then, like, 
the numbers show that most independent contractors happen to be X or Y because of like economic situations. Oh, so if you're like you're a Lyft driver, New York City is an independent contractor. That's just an example. I'm just pulling it yeah. out of my ass, no, know. you know. Um, but you could, but it's things like that that kind of get like put into these algorithms, uh, where like maybe you were homeless. At one point, maybe that's like a ding against you or, you know, it, things that are like put upon them by society more. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or like if you're a white person with a stable job, you're going to have like a lower score because <laughs> you have this like nice stable job. I so see. it's like, sure, like maybe Obama would have like a nice score. Okay. Because of his like privilege of being the president. Ex-president. I wish you were still president. Oh, God, please. I'm rambling a little bit, but you can see how, like, socioeconomic factors would, like, play into this. Yeah, Yeah, I I guess so. I I guess it just depends on who puts the algorithm together. Well, it's the people in charge. Right. Which is the problem. Yeah. (laughs) That is the problem. It's cool, though. I actually uh, listened to this Radiolab episode about IQ tests and kind of the inherent racism in those. Mm Mm-hmm. Because they were saying, um, like, uh, if you, like, they'll have, like, these logic problems for little kids. They'd be like, if you found a purse on the sidewalk, what do you do? You know, and if you're, like, it's, like, blonde hair, blue-eyed Girl Scout, you'd be like, oh, well, I would take it to the police station. But if you're, like, a black kid who just watched his dad get shot by the police, you're probably going to just leave it. Leave it. Or you know? take it. And so in these, Put it in the garbage but like in these IQ tests, um, they, they'll like rank your level of like logic and like understanding consequences and things like that. So the correct answer would be take it to the police, but that's only the correct answer for certain people. Right. Anyway, hmm. interesting, interesting tidbit on um, like how these types of like psychological tests. Note, I would take the purse home and try and contact the, if there was any ID inside. Yeah. Call, call them myself. So you're like a chaotic good. I'm I'm like, I don't, no need to call the cops for this. I'll see if I can track this person down. I've definitely taken a lot of purses to the cops. Yeah. Well, you I had, don't think I would do it now. You but had your own purse episode that we, we talked about. I know. And they did back. not take it to the, I don't think I would have found it if they took it. I wouldn't have thought to look there. Right. Yeah. yeah so I lost my purse and people looked at my ID and found me on Facebook. Yeah. That's the way to do it these days. <laughs> Sorry, I guess that was a little bit rambly. <laughs> I'm just excited for bill reform. Bill reform. All right, let's talk about Trump. Let's talk about the impeachment. Since we were pre-recorded last week. Oh, look, there's a transmittal affidavit in there. Um, so the past couple of weeks, we've had a lot of testimony um, about uh, President Trump's dealings, uh, Giuliani's dealings, Pompeo's dealings. Um, have you watched any of it? I've been uh, listening to the NPR Politics podcast. They have they put out daily now. It's like fifteen minute recaps. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, I have not laid eyeballs on the discomfort in people's faces as they're asked these questions. Actually, the career state people don't have any discomfort in their face. It's like a little bit of why the fuck are we here? This is stupid, and a little bit of blind rage also mixed is in. it like blind rage like we think this is wrong or is it blind rage like this is stupid and why, why are we impeaching this guy 
we think this is wrong because this is all based on the 2016 meddling in the elections and the rumor that the Ukraine tried to take, in, in Trump's words, take him down. And turns out, a lot of people testified this past week, that that is a rumor that the Russian security force created and fed to certain people, including President Trump himself, directly from President Putin. Oh, my God. To deflect the blame of Russia actually meddling in the 2016 election. I mean, Trump is the guy that was talking to Saudi Arabia about that reporter who was killed. And Saudi Arabia was like, oh, no, no, we didn't do it. And Trump's like, cool, you didn't do it. Right. He said he didn't do it, guys. Yeah. Why would, like, he, why would they lie? Why would they lie? Putin's a great, great guy. He's, you know, he's my best friend. Yeah. Yeah. So this whole thing um, is about, as we all know, or if you don't know, I'm going to tell you. So this, this whole thing is about... Um, the conversation that Donald Trump had with the newly elected president of Ukraine, Zelensky, uh, Vladimir Zelensky. And um, in exchange for a White House meeting and $400 million in military aid, the Ukraine had to not just, they didn't even have to do an investigation they just had to publicly announce that they were going to do an investigation into joe and hunter biden and their ties to burisma which is a uh huge i think it's uh energy company in um ukraine that hunter sat on the board for right Mm -hmm. and so the russian security services create this whole rumor they feed it to Giuliani, and Giuliani then creates the earwick for Donald Trump, and they get into it, right? So last night and this morning, I learned a couple of interesting things that we should really consider. Ooh. Back in March, when um, they were smearing and ultimately removed, what's her name? Yovanovitch? Mm-hmm. Maria Ivanovich, who was the who was uh, the ambassador to Ukraine at the time, because Trump said she was a horrible woman. Uh, that's another show. Uh, at, so at that time, uh, uh, the State Department last late last night, like midnight, had had um, produced records that Pompeo and Giuliani were actually involved in the smear campaign. Mm-hmm. Um, because the State Department was ordered by the court to produce that. So that happened last night. Uh, We also learned late last night that Devin Nunez uh, has been conducting his own investigation into the the Ukraine fiasco since 2018, which that could cause serious problems considering he is uh, the lead Republican in the House of Representatives during these impeachment trials. He's been asked to recuse himself since, but that's only just this morning. Also, we found out, and this is the real kicker here, because if 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 all interviews are done and all evidence is in, we're going to have a senatorial. We're going to have a Senate's trial, right? Uh huh. Back in March, our State Department, our intelligence community briefed the Senate that the Ukraine rumors and the election bullshit from 2016 was false, and it was created by the Russian security forces in order to create a divisive community 
in the United States and to deflect their own responsibility. So the Senate has been briefed. That includes Senate Republicans. So Senate Republicans, so Republicans in general at this point are just like digging in their heels. Yeah. So if we go to vote, which we might, although we'll see, there could be some more evidence coming. But if, so if we go to the trial and the Senate Republicans who have been briefed that it is a false bullshit rumor still perpetuate it, we are definitely going to be in the middle of a constitutional crisis because that means that he will survive the impeachment trial and then we have an authoritarian regime. In my opinion. Can you say a little bit more about... (laughs) Okay, so I'll talk about some testimony. This week, Gordon Sondland, who is the ambassador to the EU, came in and said that there was definitely a quid pro quo, Mm -hmm. just so we're clear, between... Trump and the Ukraine. He, he, the Ukraine investigation and the meeting at the White House. I guess I'm a little bit unclear about uh, the constitutional crisis. If the Senate, if the executive branch can't be checked by the congressional branch, mm-hmm. by the separation of powers, mm-hmm. and he continues on because the, the congressional branch particularly the Senate, who'd been briefed on the rumors as false. And they, and he survives that vote because our Republican senators are still going to write out that rumor as true. Mm-hmm. Then there's no checks and balances system left. So the, the, so the line is that uh, the Republican senators have been given evidence by um, the our like international security, international security, our intelligence agency saying uh, that uh, Russia did this one thing that Russia's saying they're not doing. And that's kind of the root of all yeah, of this. Right. And it came from Russia. Yeah. And why wouldn't they deflect blame from themselves? They do it all the time. Do you think Trump's going to win the election? If he survives impeachment, he will win the election. And I don't want to say that out loud because I don't want him to win the election. I don't think he's going to. I think that he would survive impeachment. Honestly, I really do think that he would survive impeachment. But I'm not convinced he would he would win the election. I think he will if he survives impeachment. I think that it would like galvanize a lot of people. I think we. There's a lot of communities like. I would not be entirely surprised if Texas went blue. He has a he has a like eighty percent support in the Republican Party and Republican voters. Yeah, but I think that there's probably going to be a lot more people who just don't vote voting against him. Well, that's not helpful either. It would be if they voted, right? Yeah, I think that, or I personally think. You know, like when we were looking at these elections in Virginia and what was that other state? Kentucky. Kentucky. Ooh, and Louisiana now. Well, I think that what we were seeing was people not flipping, but people who probably just didn't usually vote decide to start voting. Because there's like, like Texas, it's like the majority of Texans don't vote. The majority of young people don't vote. Mm-hmm. And that's a huge state. 
And so if uh, Democrats are really hitting hard at trying to sign up these voters, I mean, of course, then you get the whole, oh, this is like election fraud. And like people might lose that way. But but I really do think that um, like if this impeachment process kicks up doubts in people who are usually apolitical that they might. I see your point. Anyway, that's the where I'm hanging my hat. We'll see. <laughs> um, I think I don't think the uh, investigation is over. I think there's more to come. Uh, but I just don't think it matters at this point. I think uh, the Republicans in the House and Senate have kind of already decided. Yeah, that is in fact true. But they've decided they like they've, so, they've based it. They've based it all on falsehoods and lies. But Trump is necessarily going to survive impeachment because nobody's flipping. Right now, yeah. Well, anyway. I mean, they really need someone to come running down the aisle in the congressional hearings with their pants on fire, screaming, he did it, he did it. Or he need, they need Melania to come in and be like, oh, he totally did it. Yeah, you know? for sure. Even when Sondland said, yes, it was a quid pro quo, this guy, is, this guy had Trump's ear. He, they all said, they, and Dr. Hill, our lady baller of the fucking week, by the way, all said, this was at Trump's direction. So mm-hmm. how can you deny it? And and all Nunez does is just say the Ukraine was out to get him. Yeah. That's all they keep saying. And Jim Jordan put a goddamn jacket on. Would you please? <laughs> so just real quick before we leave, I have something to show you okay. that is lighthearted. I think the Lord. Um, but we have to watch this horrible YouTube Cyber ad truck. first. What is that? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So Elon Musk. God bless him. He came out with this truck uh, that I have a lot of jokes for, mm-hmm. but I have to like find the right moment. What is? Oh, give me one second. Okay. Okay. So Elon Musk has this truck that looks like it was created in Microsoft Paint by <laughs> <laughs> a young child trying to draw a car. It does. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. It looks like a 1980s. Yeah, so it's like a triangle of someone just kind of squashed it. And uh, so he has all these things about how it's made out of like sheet metal and it's really strong and steel. And so at one point in this demonstration, he gets this um, buff model to take a sledgehammer to the car and it just like bounces off. That didn't go well, did it? It's not. Oh, no, it did because there was no dent. That was like what he was trying to show. Okay, now. If you're in a car and the car does not take the impact of the crash, you're going to turn into jelly. Uh, but anyway, so we'll see. But my favorite part is actually right here. So we have our buff model is back in this like very tight black shirt. Okay. And he has these steel balls in his hand. And can you please actually uh, kick up the sound? Studio laptop? Yes. Okay, here we go. All right, so everyone can hear this. Okay, so he has this like metal ball in his hand and he's testing the... Tesla armor glass window for when you're in a shootout in your truck. As you would be. All right. Watch this. Sure? Yeah. He's throwing it. Oh, oh that didn't God. go well. That well. is the sound of glass breaking. <laughs> that did not go well. And so then there's like this one point when Elon Musk looking like a chump comes on. He's like, well, at least it didn't shatter because yeah. it did the thing that like car glass does where it like sticks together. I mean, that's not an innovation. It's been around for a really long time. 
So I just wanted to show you some news of the week. So Elon Musk created the Cybertruck with breakable glass and unbreakable car frame. <laughs> so this is literally like the worst car to ever be in because it is just like such a death trap. That is, yeah. And it's I, like, know your audience. Mm. Can you imagine like the Ford F-150, like redneck, king of the hill, Budweiser loving guy buying this truck? Is it a self-driving truck too? First <laughs> of all, it doesn't even look like a truck. There's no, there's no, there's no back end. There's no have. I don't no, see, there actually is. is. There yeah, but it's just like he has. So see, that's not it. A, like slides down, but it opens. Okay, that's a hatchback. Oh, it's just bizarre. It's fine. I hate it. I started a YouTube <laughs> channel talking about this car. Okay. Anyway, so I I think that's all the time for we have for today. That is all the time we have for today. Um, I don't know how, what the hell I'm doing here, but um, thank you all for listening. I uh, will be. Uh, listen to our Thanksgiving show next week. We're going to pre-record that today. I'm excited about that. Yes. And uh, we'll talk to you guys in a couple of weeks. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye. Decided on a killing First you make a stone of your heart And if you find that your hands are still willing Then you can turn a murder into art There really isn't any for bloodshed You just do it with a little more finesse Tablet into someone's coffee Take two.